Welcome to DevSecOps Talk, episode 4, and this is Docker Secure Runtime. Hello, guys. Intended to be. Intended to be, yeah. How, how are you today? Everything is fine? Yeah, cool. Locked, uh-huh. locked, completely locked inside. But you're not locked. There is no quarantine in Sweden, isn't it? You can go out if you want to. If yeah. I want to, that's true, but... Is it the wise thing to do? That's another question. <laughs> but you have you have a possibility. Yes, that's true. Because like I, I'm not supposed to be going out by the country's decree. And like I would love to go run like in five AM when no one out there, but it's like against the law. Wow. Cr- cr- crazy. I am contemplating buying treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have the space for that, but that would be a really good idea. I have like a turbo trainer where I could mount my bike and then do the virtual riding. Like my wife does it every day, I do it every day to stay in shape. But yeah, the oh. funny time. Really, can, can you can you install Docker on your treadmill? I'm pretty sure you can. It should be some computer inside, so. It's... You should do that. <laughs> Are you the, sure? tre- the treadmill that I don't have. <laughs> I think you should pick it apart and not only install Docker, but the Kubernetes node. Yes, yes. Docker but, uh, but, that's the old man Kubernetes node in the treadmill. Yeah, so yesterday I had a really, uh, you know, those uh, last minute email, like urgent company meeting. <laughs> Yeah. And I've been I've been in those, and usually it means everybody's fired. And so yeah. I, I I just log in because everything is remote. And so no, it was like only one third of the company got fired. So Whoa. yeah, on those trying times, I think it's really really tough for those people. But you know, in Sweden, you you're protected by law, so you have yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, usually by experience, I've been in a few of those. Like, oh, we have an urgent company meeting. Like, everybody yeah. is mandatory, and it, you should join. That means some like th- there is a big change coming, and it's usually not yeah. good. So yeah, for some reason, no one calls for the big meeting when <laughs> you, they want to get the money to everyone. They just say like, here is an email. Like, good job, everyone. Yeah. Buy, buy yourself exactly. a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or they throw a po- uh, an expensive party. And they invite uh, some clients and stuff, but uh, yeah, when it's like that, it's like shh, shh, and the uh, very last minute. And so, but uh, I, I then I realized hey, we, we are not, you know, uh, we're not immune to the consequence of uh, not at all. You know, the, hmm. So, we have to be grateful to have a job, I guess. Yeah, the longer it yeah. goes, uh, higher the impact because one industry affects another and another and another. So it's like a, mm-hmm. like a domino effect, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Yeah, but the good thing is, I actually like a fast cut approach. Like, just bring everyone in, and we are done with that. Yeah. Like I worked for a big Swedish company for a number of years where they went through the couple of those reduction cycles. 
and that would last for half a year. Like everyone knows it's coming. It was announced, but they're trying to figure out with unions who to, to who to cut and who to not, and negotiating the you know the pension packages and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And and it's just lasting for six months, and no one really uh, yeah. like you know have motivation to work because they don't know if they will be working here. And, I think uh, that's worse. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. reorganizations and long cuts. They're the worst. Yeah, they have that on, on my old place. I mean, they used to shut it down. But people still have to work for... Some have to go on the day. Like, you can go right now. You get three months of pay. And some have to work to midsummer, And then uh, they're off. Huh. They have to work to midsummer to migrate all the stuff over. And that's hmm. hard. I mean, you have to be at the place. You have to work. You know it's going to end at midsummer. And then you have to find a new job. And, but you can't start now because who would hire you when you start in? Oh, but you could look for the job. It's actually nice yeah, because yeah. then you have uh, certainty. You know how it's going to be. Uncertainty is the worst. I oh, mean, yeah. That's what yeah, motivates you. Yeah. It's like with this damn virus that like, you don't really know what's going on. There is like no certainty about the future. So that's yeah. why it's complicated if it would be clear that well it's going to be over in three in three months then everyone like all right well i can sit home a little bit it's going to be all right we're going to do provisions for that but you don't really know what the consequences are going to be so that's that's what makes it hard yeah. it's like a semantic versioning you know it, it might break it's not that it's going to break it might <laughs> You, you're never sure. You do, you do, you, you know. You install a package, and then you're like, "Oh, please, please don't break, yeah. please." Let me. And the thing is that even even if it doesn't break, you just hope there is no runtime errors. Yeah, so no, no, it's, exactly. it's, it's it's more like a, like I don't know who invented that. I think it's someone at GitHub who came up with the idea. I, I, I think yeah, I think it's coming yeah. from that end. Well, not maybe exactly from the GitHub, but I think the person who started GitHub maybe proposed it. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I think that person <laughs> is gonna burn in hell for a while. Yeah. <laughs> no, wow. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, it's like it's not if bad if people follow it, but like yeah. if you do like HashiCorp does, like that's uh, you know Terraform version zero point twelve. Well, yeah, yeah. zero zero point. Like what? But we, we had a we had a big debate. Like I, I'm super against Semver because it means nothing. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah. and if you want to, like, if you want me to rant, just talk to me about Semver because I, I just, it's like anger coming from my guts directly but out of my mouth. Great. We, we will have a new episode about this. Oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> your application. I can hear. That's going to be awesome. You have to be prepared. Like, uh, you might have write to. Write it down, uh, Matthias. Write it down. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yes. Just, just prepare to add a lot of bleep, you know, to cover the bad words because it's like. <laughs> It, it's yeah. a, a good. Uh, you can use French. You can use French. You yeah, can exactly. Use French. I can swear in French. That would be I, so much classier. Yeah, because I said this uh, podcast are uh, I'm not using any bad words. So I have to beat them up then. Yeah, don't yeah. worry. I, I I'll try to contain myself. I will replace a few, like change a letter or something, so it doesn't mean anything. Or you can replace with something nice, like Siam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. If you if you want me to rant, just just feel free. Talk to me about dependency management and, and everything. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. way too sick of it. I, in no language does it write. 
and it's like suddenly somewhere is the, the standard. And, and if you look at it, the most okay. Let's not talk about it because that. <laughs> I need to put the break. I need to. Put the break uh, okay. I, should, I, should, I, should, I should. I want to bring like a couple of positive things. I mean, like every situation have a good and bad things. But yeah. the good thing is, at least for me, being already isolated on the islands. I like I live on the island, and it's a little bit far away from everything. So, and uh, not as much happening here, like in the big tech capitals, like for instance, like where I lived in Stockholm, you can go to the meetup every day and learn something if you would want to. And, and the same with other, other, other cities. Here is different. So here is like me doing the technical meetups. And uh, there are a couple of other guys who do that in Spanish and my Spanish is far away from being useful on those. So I have to pass on those. But... Right now, a lot of meetup organizers actually switching on to doing the virtual meetups, which I like a lot. Yeah. I mean, because it enables me to attend, for instance, in Nashville. I, I just saw that uh, HashiCorp user group meetups, they already have like six or 10 virtual meetups coming up all, all over the world. And I could go and learn from people all over the world, like, you know, attending in the US, attending in Europe, maybe in China to see how it is. And I think that's just a new type of experience. It's like a little bit like a travel. You're getting yourself into the completely new culture where people might see problems different and have different solutions. Because when you are on the same geographical location, there is a certain way of doing things around there. And there are like certain opinions that forms based on the population and how they interact, right? But uh, if you go another place, like for instance China, there are people who approach things differently, and that's a great opportunity to learn. And then a lot of conferences went online. So, yeah. like I tomorrow I, be, I will be speaking on DevOps Pro, and they regrouped quite nicely and said, "Yeah, we're going to do it online." Well, I had to deal with technicians for quite a while, like installing the stuff on my laptop. Like you should imagine the experience. You're having a Zoom call, and then he sends you a link, says, like, install this. And then he says, like, well, now I'm going to take over your mouse. Can you give me what? a control? Like, you do what? Like, you what, what for? <laughs> I mean, like, it's 2020, and I'm security conscious person. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you're going to do what? <laughs> and... Okay. Docker security runtime. What what are your thoughts and what do you think about it? How how do you enforce Docker's to run security? Who wants to start? But Matthias, you 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 wanted to present and now you ask yeah. us. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> you got me. It was it was a rhetorical question. So yeah. How would I, you start if you want to implement? I I really like Docker security runtime, uh, and I have this idea that Docker are more secure than VMs. And I hope that you agree me with me in the end. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Okay, so it's it, it's it's a long way. <laughs> it's a long way. Yeah, let's see. Let's let's start with what we all think, right? Docker are less secure than a VM because you can break out of the Docker container, right? So far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, it's easier to break out. Uh, from a container than a VM, but it's not that easy. If you look at the 
CVs that you have on Docker uh, that you can break out. Uh, the the one I have seen always include that you run uh, the attacker's own Docker container with tools, or that it run as a privilege mode. Like one of those two things have to be done uh, to be able to break out of the container. And for me, when I look at that, it's like, yeah, but if I run somebody else's container in my cluster, uh, yeah, that's not that's not good. And then, of course, I mean, if, if I run somebody's server inside my cluster, then it's already overtaken, right? Uh, if I run a container with root privilege, uh, then I just running a server with, with root. So it, it's, it's not like you can take any Docker container from... Uh, from Docker Hub, and just make a command, and then uh, you break out the container. It demands a lot more than that. Uh, so let us start with that, because uh, I think you need we need to make sure. Uh, I need to. It feels like we talk about Docker breakout. That is something you can do really simple, and in reality, it's not. Do you follow me so far? Yeah. I, I think it makes sense, but I'm yeah. curious to hear if, because right now I'm, I'm like, okay, it's a nice idea, but in practice, yeah. is, is it really that hard? Yeah, uh, I, what I've seen, it's uh, it is that hard. I mean, of course, the Docker shares more resources than than a traditional VM does, but it's what I have when I did some research. Uh, it felt it was that hard. You can't really run it. Uh, you can't just take your Ubuntu Docker image and then like run a command and then you break out the container. It's not that simple. Uh, and and then and then when you are comparing uh, Docker images uh, with VMs, I think also a lot of people that say that VMs are more secure doesn't understand how we are running Docker, and especially when we are running Docker in Kubernetes. Uh, I I would argue that uh, for an attacker to be successful, uh, it's it's rare that you can make one one command and you get shell and then you can take over everything. It's it's an attacker that needs se- sequential attacks. So you can have to do more. And when in Docker mode, uh, you split up your services in more microservices and that makes them more isolated and more secure. I mean, this is the old concept. I mean. The PCI DSS said, okay, every service should be uh, like isolated. Like you have your own log service, you have the MTP, and you have other funds. So, I mean, even the VM practiced this, but in Docker, you take it one step further because you break up every tool. It's not just like your app is running here, uh, it's also like your logs are out, your monitoring systems are out your intrusion detection system are not in the container. If you take a VM that's running now in, in, uh, in our, let's say our, our old PCI DSS environment, we have a web server running there. I mean, the web server is hardened and it's locked, but it's a lot of services running there. It's like post fix for mails. It's like host intrusion detection. It's syslog. We have maybe some monitoring in sync and Nagios, and you see, and all these tools uh, bring up the attack surface bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger. And the bigger attack surface, it's easier to hack. 
and with a docker image, you don't have that much. Okay? Do you, I think that makes sense, yeah. Just being quiet here, just me, me talking. You see, so, so now we're coming to it. So like, just breaking out of the isolation, VMs are more secure. But when you see how you run your containers in Kubernetes, when you break out things, you get a smaller attack surface than you get on VM. Even if you have the same web server, if you break into the web server at Docker, you will get into the Docker container and it's not so much running there. If you break into the web server in a traditional, you have a lot of tools there you can misuse. I mean, we heard about the sudo exploit. Uh, and then you can escalate your privilege or hack other services to get a better footprint. In Docker, it's not like that. Uh, the, the other thing with Docker as well, uh, and it's more how, how you see it when you run it. Uh, the Docker container is in its end of its life. When a Docker container goes into production, then it's, it's at its end point of its lifetime. When you do a new deployment, it dies. So it doesn't need any tools inside for editing files, doing upgrades, or any of the other tools that you have to have running on the VM. Load uh, I, don't, I don't agree there. You could just do the mutable infrastructure. You redeploy yeah. the VM so yeah. from the new image. The same as you do with a Docker container. Yeah, but now I'm just uh, comparing with like an old structure with VMs, like VM-based. Uh, of course, if you do a modern infrastructure, then you don't have this. Then you, you handle your, your VMs as, as cattle and you deploy new ones. Uh, but I see that if you ha handle your VMs as, as Dockers, then you're in better shape. But, but most people have the VM running for a long time. And when you spin up a VM, it's meant to run longer and keep running and get a new uh, packages and files added to it. And you need tools for that. Uh, a Docker, it's not. You spin up and, and the Docker container are at the end of a life. So when it's done, you just, you just throw it away. I know, I know people who run Docker containers for a long time in a big enterprise. They would, they would get a VM, they would start a Docker <laughs> image there, like with Mattermost yeah, yeah. for their team. And they never kill it. It's run there. Yeah. And it does have tools, and people go inside that container and do stuff. And then it's, uh, we, we have to separate apples from bananas here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. You have to separate yeah. the technology from the ways of working. Yeah, true. But what I'm saying here is like I'm um, comparing like an old VM-based infrastructure where you uh, protect your protect your assets by VM isolation, and also when you're comparing VMs against Kubernetes and Docker, you have to see how things are running. Of course, if you run VMs as you run uh, Docker in Kubernetes, then how you handle uh, your the services are the same, and that will protect you, of course. You could also take the micro VMs, as an example. Yeah. Some that people use for Lambda. And uh, I, I was researching the, was trying to find the research on uh, how people today attacking Lambdas. Yeah. And Lambda is running in micro VM as far as I know. Might, might be wrong. I'm not an expert on the topic. Yeah. 
so called Firecracker, and um, it's now being open source. And some people say that it's the future, so we're going to go away from containers to micro VMs instead. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see about that. But my point about the breaking out from lambdas is like it's similar to what you're describing. So it's uh, some ephemeral entity that's just being booted up for a very little time. That's what it's supposed to do, then goes away. Yeah. It uh, doesn't have much inside. It basically has everything you need to execute the payload. Yeah. And um, it's hardened. So, for instance, the file system is the file system is read only, and uh, you cannot change much. You don't have access to any settings, and so, so it's, yeah. it, you you have hard access to the source code itself. Yeah. So the it's quite secure, and some people would, you know, they realize that all right, TMP is actually writable. Okay, <laughs> and uh, then they notice that if you keep your lambda warm. So you call yeah. it like every well within fifteen minutes. So it's yeah. So it's left in the RAM. Yeah. Then the lambda execution will share the TMP folder. Yeah. Aha! Uh-huh, now you can get persistence. Exactly. And if you have an exploit that allows you to get to have a code execution within the lambda virtual machines, then you can start downloading tools one after another. You know, one lambda run after another. It's hard, it's complicated, but it is possible. And then from there, you could start uh, to see what you could, what your Lambda can do, explore the IAM permissions, and then start to exfiltrate data via meta- metadata. For instance, if you can read tags, right? You could write tags. You could try to launch another program somewhere and write the output to tags and then exfiltrate data from the tags. So, so now, tricky ways and uh, it's just a matter of ways of working and uh, how you harden your system. But, but doesn't always require that you up your, upload your own code? I mean... No, no. So you can... Actually, I will bring the YouTube video quite nice that uh, explains how things are done. You need to have an exploit. So you need yeah. to exploit the payload and get a code execution in there. Yeah. But okay. after that, there are ways to maintain persistence in Lambda code, and you can even override the Lambda. Yeah. So, because the one I see in, in Docker, they all rely on that uh, you get code into the Docker container, and you have, like, you run your own, or the service run your own image, or it run in privilege, and you get your tools. Uh, and I would say that Docker is more secure than VM because you run it in a different way than then you will run the VM. VMs are meant to run for a long time and have a lot of tools on them, which means they have a big attack surface. Docker are not. They are small, only do their task, and are isolated in that sense, and that makes them uh, more secure. I, I, I still not agree, Matthias, because you do compare the ways of working, and uh, like... Yeah, so what you're saying that potentially if you do VM wrong, then it has larger surface. But with containers, you you do it differently, but it's just type, the ways of working approach. I mean, you could still have a beefy container with all the stuff in there full of CVs and uh, 
running for a very long time. It's just a waste of working. And then another thing is that we are not choosing between one or another, right? We can have both. So it's uh, the more layers you have from the security standpoint, the more obstacles attacker have to pass through. Yeah. So com- combining VM and container is a good thing. And if you do both of them right, then it's making life of attacker even harder. So maybe at some point they will give up unless it's a advanced persistent threat and they're really after you. So they will try just to find another way to enter. Yeah. You but... will always make it harder. But yeah, I know that, I mean, if you run VMs as you run Docker, you spin up and run them over, then they're more secure. But I would say that the standard approach for VMs is keep them running for a longer time with more tools. The standard approach for containers in Kubernetes are to rotate them more often and have a smaller footprint. So of course they are like edge cases where you can do really secure both and really non-secure. I mean, big Docker container, we've seen them as well. But if you just take uh, the common approach of, of running. But we're talking about the common approach of running, not about technology itself, right? Every technology could be done right or wrong. I mean, they yeah. get. Yeah, but it's more but... simple with Kubernetes, right? I mean, you have it. You have it Why? pre-built. Uh... I mean, Why? I mean, like, I don't agree. I mean, how, <laughs> like most of the Docker images out there are running as root. And on the VM, it's very rarely that you're running as root. So if you just getting in the container, you already have more permissions than comparing to the VM. And that's default ways of working. There are very little people who go in and, you know, change, they actually create additional users, switch to that user, and so on and so on. No, but I mean, it's, it's yeah, Julian. Yeah, the, the only thing, I, I think we're talking about two different things, because uh, VM allocates the resources, whether you use them or not. So it's more when you want to manage uh, the workload in a static way. If you want to manage the workload in a dynamic way, then containers are more suited. The problem with containers is that they do not, they do not contain. They are mainly namespacing stuff. And so if you want to, you have to add that extra layer of security by using something like AppArmor or some profiling or seccomp in the, the Docker flag. And the, you have to do this extra step to specify to the Linux kernel, what does that application really is allowed to do? And so those are, if you look from a a workflow perspective, this, uh, I would say, extra work is done by someone like the developer, where in VM, it's more done by the operation side of things. Like you secure, you just define the access, and that's all that access has to do. But... um, in a dynamic workload, so if, or if you want elastic compute, like the workload is changing all the time and you want to pay only for what you use, then you it's the, the responsibility of the developer to specify those access. And, and that usually is not done properly because they don't know all the underlying stuff. And it's more like, look, uh, I'm making feature here. I don't want to secure infrastructure. And so you have this discrepancy between um, people who are securing 
the workload versus people who are writing the workload. And it's very rare that uh, the two are, are done in, how do you say, hand-to-hand. So it, it's a very much a, a who is in charge of what is a big, big uh, role here into how the, the workload is going to be secured. What do you think about that? Uh, isn't it up to, to us to set up the cluster to make sure that what's running in it uh, are, are secure? I mean, the developers, as you say, they don't, they don't know it, but I can set up a standard when you deploy things into a cluster to run this way. I mean, I can have other tools that enforce some policy like open API or something like that. But uh, Yeah, open policy agent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure, and it's it really depends. Like, uh, like who who should have access to what, and what are you allowed to do? So it it very much uh, translates from the organization perspective into the infrastructure and the responsibility of of who is dealing with that. For instance, the the if you have a uh, site reliability uh, team. They, they are in charge of making sure that the workload stays up, that the monitoring is good, and that you, the developer can actually focus on more on feature rather than, than those things. When you come to securing things, you, you still have to think, okay, what is that uh, project, that, what is that uh, program is allowed to do? And yeah. what it should not do? And that's the least access privilege uh, yeah. How do you say uh, that? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of what, what I'm thinking when, when I comparing my I just comparing what I'm running before my VMs against my Kubernetes cluster. That in 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 the Kubernetes, I can isolate my apps. I can break out so every service app has its own meaning and its own its isolated some namespace, and then it only does what it supposed to do and there's no like collusion between them before when i have the vms they are so stacked with tools and languages that i argue that the attack surface gets so big with them because vms are, are are made commonly to run for a longer time which my dockers are not exactly yeah and, and when they are not meant to, to run that long, I, I don't need tools in there. I mean, uh, do you still use the, the serverless images from, from Google? Would you mean distroless? Yeah, distroless, sorry, distroless. Yeah, actually, I, I use um, Docker Slim. That, that takes yeah. uh, most of the attack surface out, and I, I don't need to. Uh, really uh, think too much. It doesn't mean that it's completely secure, but it's like already a good way, a good step forward. And yeah, I think so, that if yeah. if you really need um, like runtime security, you need to have a, a product like you need you need to go through those uh, security vendor, and they provide you this uh, for also for audit perspective and and all those things. They might want a, a third party to validate that the workload is actually the workload that is uh, built by the employee and not by a third party. So, yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I think security, just like monitoring, it's something that is has to be thought of 
before you start implementing stuff because adding it after is really really painful yeah yeah i mean that's what we also like adding security in the beginning is cheap and it should be done i mean adding it late is, is the wrong approach as, as soon as as possible as it can be but yeah so i mean what we're trying to to say is that I, I would that's why I argue that, that the Docker images are, are more secure because they are they're they are have, have less things running inside. They're meant to be killed and then the tools that are out there today that can monitoring your full workload in the Kubernetes cluster and make them secure really good. I mean uh, I spent some time with, with the Falco that detects things and they have this tutorial when, when if somebody pops a shell in, in a container that container is killed it's like wow so you can have your workload running you have to do that much you can just have it running and the developer can deploy their container if somebody hack or pop the shell or use cubex or something in that container it's killed yeah imagine Imagine doing that to VM. You will never be able to do that because the VM, I mean, if you just look at the VM, shells are everywhere. If something fishy happened with a, a Docker container thing, I mean, the, the approach is kill it out with a new one. And yeah, then, so the security happens at different layer. And that's, that's exactly what I was yeah. uh, advocating is that if you do it in the... If you do the security, you cannot do it uh, like outside the container. You can do it to some extent with uh, the right, yeah. uh, how do you say, access management. But yes. uh, the, the, you still need this extra layer of uh, of security on, like with the container. And the, usually it's it's a problem because sometimes you don't know what kind of access you need until you need them. And when you need them, the process of getting something done is quite uh, long you know you have to make a ticket or you have to talk to someone and you have to explain and give the whole context of everything that you're doing so that the person can make a decision whether this is the right approach or not and so it's uh, very interesting to see uh, I, I think that the, the company usually the problem with security is that developers don't know yeah. Uh, they don't. They cannot debug the app. They don't see what's happening, and so they need plenty of access to to in production yeah, yeah. or things like that. And so, if the monitoring is actually really good, this yeah. this uh, allows for a very good security because sometimes you don't want to uh, block people to do something. You just want to know that they did something, yeah. and have a trace of who did it, so yeah. that you know you can do some analysis of uh, after the fact and see okay what. Well, well, why do you uh, pop a shell in in yeah. every container? You say, oh, because I need the logs. I say, okay, maybe we should implement that yeah. so you get the logs in a secure yeah. API. So it's very much implementing this idea. Uh, I, I don't have any um, proof on that. I, ju I just like by, you know, from my experience, 
if you have bad monitoring, this is where the access control gets crazy and completely yeah. messed up and mm. nobody knows. But if you have really, really good monitoring, people don't even care to, to test their stuff. They can directly test in production because they know exactly, they can do feature flag, they can do um, you know some special routing. They, they, like they, This uh, improve because you have one environment that you monitor fully and completely. And so you know everything that happened and that's those things you, you get the question, you know, sometimes just finding the right question to ask, like, why does this thing has access to that? And, and then you have to dig, 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 dig to find out, oh, okay, it's for that. I don't see a good reason. Let's remove that access. And so yeah. th- those kind of things, this monitoring, very much goes uh, hand in hand with the security. And so the, the way the, the containers are built, they very much allow for for really good monitoring because you have much more you don't have to install the tools on inside every vm you can install it once in the cluster and those are like listen to all the events of the containers yeah uh, the, the problem is like yeah if if your container runs its root it's going to be root on the machine if your container uh, you know has to have the access to the host network it's the same as running on the server so it's uh, it's a lot of things that a container can do and to find a profile for that container is is actually quite a tedious work. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, monitoring and checking. I mean, all those tools that you spend so much time setting up in VMs are installed so simply today. I mean, yes. Yeah. How, how how about we say like this? So, VMs done right. Uh, secure because you could still have stripped version of everything, right? And uh, but containers built in a way that makes doing the right thing easier comparing doing that with a VM. If you see what I mean, so it's yeah, yeah. it's possible it's possible to achieve the same with both approaches. Yeah, yeah. If oh, you yeah. do the same thing, right? So if you don't allow root, if you don't do that, if you stream the log somewhere else, it's possible to get to the same level using both technologies. It's just a little bit easier to do that with container because they provide you more narrowed down focus to the application itself rather managing the whole operating system and everything that runs on the same view. But it is possible to do that with a VM as well, but you will have a little bit harder time doing that since you will have side processes running within the VM supporting the functions of operational system that you might not even need for that application. Yeah, I think that's, I think you summarized it pretty well what, what, I'm, what I was trying to manage just because you just said, said it in five minutes with other words. Yeah, it's... I've been sitting for a while formulating that. Yeah, you have. I can tell. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so much simple with Docker and Kubernetes to get all the tools up. You can get scanners running. You can get Falco running. You can have all these intrusion detection tools that you will never have on a VM. And that makes, for me, the... For me, if I'm going to host stuff in a secure way, I will choose the, the Kubernetes platform before, before VMs. Uh, 
I don't think you choose like one on top or another. It's just you do both. And then you could have a better separation of concerns. I mean, then your container security is more focused around application security. And then the VM security is focused more around operational security and uh, and uh, resource allocation. So in that sense, you you do a really good you have a really good way of separating things and uh, have uh, ability to focus on on certain things. So like you don't mix up the applications on the same VM and yeah, yeah. then separate within containers. And you could focus on that, making sure that this application is secure within this container and there is very hard to get out of it. Yeah. And then you don't have. Uh, application things that concern application on the vm so you don't really need to have interpreters you don't have to have package managers you don't have to have dynamic libraries yeah all the stuff that causes problems yeah on the, from security perspective so your vm is becoming more of a means of running containers exactly and there were like a talks of skipping the vm and running containers on hypervisor directly yeah but uh but i don't talking. know They've been talking about that for four years, right? Remember, they talked about running Java on VMware. Yeah, I also, and I mean, if you go back to Kubernetes and you start treating, treating nodes as, as containers as well and have node pools that you recycle all the time to get patched and don't have them running for a long time, then you build up the whole infrastructure around uh, to be able to renew itself all the time. But, but, the biggest then concern I have with the dockers and the developers, but I, I it struck me some, some time ago, and I, I was interesting to see your take on this. Uh, before, in, in, in the old days, when we had ops and devs, uh, we separated the, the web server from the app, right? The standard Apache server was installed by operations, and then you have your PHP application, right? Yeah, they talk together. But today, uh, the Apache web server is bounded with the application. So if you need to update uh, your Apache, you also need to update your application because they are now bundled into one. What do you take on this and security? It's just different way of packaging. Before that, if you do Java, you would do a war file, right? That will be deployed to the application server. Yeah. Now you change the way how you package. You just package more stuff together with the application and you package all the dependencies, runtime, and if needed, the web server as well. Yeah, because now, uh, now they're all bundled. And so, I mean, what I really think we are running things like, okay, we have this app running now. Uh, how long can we run it? Oh, that's right. We have web service running as well. We need to make sure that the web service are also in the patching cycle. They are updated, they are checked, uh, and if they need a new patch, we need to rebuild the application as well, together with the web server and test it, and then redeploy it. So now we are doing releases, but we're not changing the code. We're changing... No, you don't necessarily need to re rebuild the application. If you if you do it yeah. like people would do with, War, with the Java, right? You will have something like Nexus or Artifactory, you will push Artifact to the to your artifact storage. And then when you're building the container, you have uh, two ways. You could rebuild your application from scratch or you could pull the pre-built version in 
And then you basically just step your, I assume yeah. that you would use some uh, Tomcat as a base image, yeah. Docker Tomcat image as a base image, then yeah. you just take the new version of that one, pull war file in, yeah, and there you go. So there is no no need to rebuild the application as such. No, I, I don't mean you have to rebuild the application, but you really need to rebuild uh, your new Tomcat with your application to make sure that they are compatible and working. Uh, and then... Yeah, but this is uh, this is managing dependencies basically. Yeah. It's just a different way of managing dependencies, and there is a good thing because when you're collocating applications on uh, on application server. Then you have all those concerns of the life cycle because you have to do, I mean, they all depend on the application server. Yeah. And patching that application server becoming the pain in the back. Yeah. And now every app has its own. So, like, if you cannot upgrade all app for some reason to use a newer version, so maybe you need to actually change the application to work on a newer, you could leave it running for a time and actually upgrade another one. That yeah. needs to be that has a changed application and ha- doesn't have the strict dependencies of the version of application server. Mm-hmm. So you have more freedom, but obviously with um, it comes with a cost, and you're still managing the, pen- the same dependencies, right? It's not that you got more dependencies; you just have the same dependencies instantiated in many places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you still have, it, yeah, but you hand it over to the developer and you bundle with with the app. And uh, what struck me was that oh, okay, this the life cycle of the application server are now also now bundled with 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 the app. But it's yeah, you you, you have to rebuild and, and update as, as regular. Uh, I also feel that uh, most of the application servers as such they they're going away. At least that's my feeling from yeah. what I see. I mean, like you take people writing Go, Python. In Docker, they would just start the Python process and let uh, let them to handle the HTTP traffic, so not or whatever traffic you got there. You, you don't really need to have a dedicated HTTP server for no. routing. No, I mean uh, Apache was a bad example because I don't. I haven't seen it running that much. I think for web server people more more into nginx or just as you say, just spin up your. You 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 might still use them as an ingress into your yeah. cluster, whatever cluster you use. Yeah. Like for instance, Kubernetes, Nomad. Yeah, exactly. But whatever orchestrator you have, you still need to have an ingress yeah. that would uh, route traffic within the cluster to the services that supposed to receive it. Yeah. But that's a separate function. Exactly. And I haven't seen any ingress for, for Apache. I haven't seen any Nginx. Have you seen anything for Apache? Uh, you mean ingress based on Apache? Yeah. Well, I guess it exists. I just haven't been looking. Uh, people <laughs> do all possible type of virus things. So, so Docker security then. If I sum them up, it's like running secure apps in docker on kubernetes done right is easy easier than vms you agree i'm not sure that easy is a measurable term because (laughs) it's a 
I would say that if you know VM, it's going to be easier for you to secure VM. But if you know Kubernetes and the uh, access control model, and you, you can very much define which roles any user or developer has. And yeah, yeah it's like security. It's more like every tool is out there, but how are you going to work with it? to make it user-friendly. That's another thing. I think security and, and user-friendliness is is very much, the result is going to be very much related. Like if, if security, security is easier to do, I, yeah. I think that it will get implemented better. And right now, there is a lot of uh, advantages to run containers. So the tooling is getting better. The user-friendliness yeah. is getting better. So, yeah, we also should, is in, from this equation, we need to exclude the orchestrator because we are comparing like the, well, yeah, not true. virtualization, but like packaging solutions, if you like. Yeah, because we see VM as a way of package application in the context of current discussion, more than just a resource allocation. And throwing Kubernetes in there doesn't really fit because, well, it's orchestrator. Then we would have to say, running VMs on a certain hypervisor. And then we are in a different park since hypervisor brings all possible additional security measures that you could apply in the virtual machine. Hmm. I think that vir virtual machine have a stronger primitive setup towards security, where container, it's more like a add-on that you need to configure. So yeah, depending on who you are uh, but, but... and how you use it. Why isn't that how we see security more and more? I mean, before we were just focusing on like keeping keeping stuff out, like firewall them out. And today we more and more go into, okay, we can't keep things outside. Let's detect if it's inside and act quick, right? Yeah, uh, and, I, and I, for me, it's easier to do that uh, uh, with the tooling uh, in, in Kubernetes, uh, it's easy to sure. detect them. You're holding, you have them in a cluster. It's easy to to react. Uh, what do you, what more, do you... more secure I mean, is is also something that is not easily measurable. Like no, you, you, yeah, is it the number of CVEs that you get, or is it the the, the amount of work you need to do? in order to be secure. And, and so I would say that depending on the use case, uh, it, it still depends. I, I would still not exclude VMs, but I would definitely uh, pay attention to containers because they provide a lot of advantages. Yeah. When you uh, include uh, everything. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would just repeat that it's just additional layer and you have to do a layer of security. So you had hypervisor, you had VM, now you're just adding additional layer and you could uh, rethink how you did previous tool by distributing concerns to focus on application in container, application security and all that stuff, and then operational security on a VM level and a hypervisor level. So just a little bit of shift of paradigm, because again, we are not choosing one, one instead of another. You cannot just run containers, right? You no. have to do VM anyway. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like a very minimal one, like as a chorus, which is, I think it's dead now, right? The chorus is. Yeah, I, I think I'd be no killed. 
I think I saw the the email saying that the Coros is dead and wow. you would have to look for something else. Well, well, yeah. Okay, okay, guys. I think we need to wrap up, and it's good that you finally agree with me in this matter. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard. I had you on tape as well. Yeah, there is some editing that's gonna go into the podcast. Yeah, and who's gonna be editing? It's gonna be me. So that's exactly we. And, and, aye, and aye, I'm, aye. I'm I'm gonna keep this strong yes from you that. Uh, Docker are more secure than VMs. And I, <laughs> you, you, you was very convinced. <laughs> yeah, you, you are the only one that's very convinced. I, I'm still not. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't, okay, okay. Let, let's drop that. I, I think that Docker can be as secure as VM, but it needs more yeah. work. That's the difference. Okay. You mean with VM? You mean? No, Docker work with VM. Con- container uh, can be as secure as VM. But they need more work to to be that secure than VM. It doesn't sound like Matthias. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's exactly what I'm saying. I'm just saying that Docker are getting are more secure than VM because how you Not can more. run them more. No, no, that's the opposite thing. And I, it's really great that you finally agree with me in this. In this okay, we, we cannot reason with you. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. No, no. It, okay, let's let's agree that uh, uh, we disagree. We disagree, and let's, a, let's agree that we disagree. Yeah, exactly. It was a fun talk, and that uh, we will end it here. And then, uh, what do you have for ideas for our next topic? Semantic versioning. Oh, okay. Semantics version. Yeah, pl- I, I, like enabling team or platform teams or DevOps teams, whatever. Like you know, oh, building yeah. build, building enabling capability or as like us being. Pro- we have a proficiency in coding. We have proficiency in infrastructure, so we could do any. Yeah. Technically. With uh, various degree of success, I would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so then, but then but would, like, yeah. where do we place ourselves in the organization? What, what should we do? Because I'm still having hard time defining what am I doing? I'm doing like continuous delivery. I'm doing the cloud infrastructure. I'm doing like observation, observability stuff. I do, I do quite a lot and I'm trying to identify how do I call the thing? Where, where, where is the right place to put people like myself within the organization? We could okay. discuss that if you like to. Yeah, I think I will tell the listener then to stay tuned, listen to the next episode, and we will try to find a place that Andre can stay and be happy. Exactly. Sounds good? Yes. <laughs> now, 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 now you can hear, listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, I think it's called. Yeah. And Matthias knows the rest of the names where you can find it. Yeah. And we also go to the webpage devsecops.fm for the shows and more information and some notes, maybe from this episode. Notes, yeah. Some yeah. notes. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. 
Bye bye. Bye. Till next time. See you. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.